Hey, this is Dave Pryor from Leading Agile Sound Notes. Before we get into the podcast, I want to give you an update on some Leading Agile-related things happening at Agile 2017. We're a few days away from the conference, and there's some really cool stuff going on. So at the conference this year, there's going to be a few folks from Leading Agile giving presentations. So Mike Kottmeyer is going to be giving a presentation, Agile Transformations Explained. That's going to be on Tuesday, August 8th at 3.45 p.m. He's also got another session called Faster Food and a Better Place to Sleep, Applying Agile Outside of Software. And that's a really interesting session, so I'd encourage you to check that one out too. Wednesday, August 9th at 10.45 a.m. Also, Paul Argery is going to be doing a session avoiding the pitfalls of capitalizing software in an agile world. That's Tuesday, August 8th at 345. He's going to be going through a lot of different accounting related um, ideas and concepts that, that are important to somebody who's working in agile. And Rick Austin is going to be doing a session on portfolio management called Portfolio Management in an Agile World. That's on Tuesday, August 8th at 1045. So um, a lot of things going on. We hope you'll be able to come by and check them out. So another thing that I'm going to be involved in at the Agile Conference is a bit of an experiment. One thing that I try to do at events like the Agile Conference is to form a small team of people that I meet with for a daily stand-up every day. I found that having a small group I'm going to touch base with each morning, um, it enables me to be better about setting goals for the day and also to stay focused on achieving them because I know the next morning I'm going to come back and stand with these people and they're going to be like, hey, what's up? Why didn't you do the thing you were going to do? So at the Agile Conference this year, during the first time attendee orientation sessions, at the end of each session, there's going to be an invitation for anybody who's interested to head over to the Open Jam and join a personal accountability team. So what we're going to do is organize folks into small teams that will have a daily stand-up each day. And uh, in those sessions that folks will get together and just talk about what they want to do that day at the conference, you know, set their goals, report back the next day on how well they've done at achieving them. And the hope is that it's not just a, a good networking opportunity, but it will allow people to have a small support group that they can kind of lean on when they need to throughout their time at the conference. So if you're interested in that, uh, the first time attendee orientation sessions are taking place on Sunday, August 6th at 3.15 p.m. and also 6.15 p.m. And then there is another one on Monday, August 7th at 8.15 a.m. So if you're going to be at the Agile Conference, I hope you'll check that stuff out and I hope to see you there. Thanks. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, Tim Wise has taken some time out of his afternoon. Tim, thank you for being here. Thank you, Dave, for having me. Last week in my class, I had a student and this very nice woman. She asked about stretch goals, and I turned around and I looked at her and I said, oh, you're the one. Okay, now we're gonna, I'm going to go off about stretch goals. And then I got caught up in something else, and I totally forgot to come back and yell at her. And I feel really bad about that because I take great pride in my ability to harass students for asking questions like that. Not that it's a bad question. It's a very important question, and I have very strong feelings about it. And I believe, Tim, you probably also have strong feelings about stretch goals. Yeah, I do. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about it a little bit. So why don't, why don't you start? How do you feel about stretch goals, Tim? Well, I deal mostly with big organizations, right? So uh, I view it as two-pronged in the sense that for an organization to become greater than they are, sometimes stretch goals can be useful at a higher level. So here's where we want the company to grow and being daring about that and being kind of slightly, um, you know, leaving yourself uh, somewhat in a risky place uh, that you have to stretch uh, to get that as a company, meaning that you might have to innovate as a company uh, would be one way to look at that. So you're talking about like the portfolio level, like we're going to try to extend to this market and then do this other thing too, if we can. Yeah. Or, or an executive level of, okay. um, 
of really like we want to uh, we want to achieve this revenue target, but we we may not have an exact idea of how we want to do that or or, or whatnot. So, so, you know, some stretch goals are are very helpful up at that level because it's going to drive new ideas, new ideation. Where I find it is particularly harmful uh, because it it uh, is at that team level of of uh, that atmosphere. Because really, um, if I'm if I'm stretching, uh, it's really more of, of a micromanagement tool uh, to make sure we get in everything that we that we want to get in. A lot of times is how I see it misused. Um, okay. So sure, the team couldn't commit to that. So let's throw these others just in case they get in. Uh, then we'll throw these other things in there uh, in case they have time for it, um, which kind of indicates a lack of planning in 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 my general. Uh, world. Um, so for me, uh, that usually manifests as the team going in and making a commitment to their sprint and saying, we can get these things done. And then someone else saying, well, let's put these others in here too. If you have time for it, and then you can get to these. And those other things can kind of vary. It, it depends on if the product owner sticks them in there, or if say a manager sticks them in there, or if uh, someone else sticks them in there. So the yeah. product owner might put extra stories in there. Um, and oftentimes that turns into extra commitment that's being communicated out as we'll get all of this done. So yeah. that's a no, no, uh, because we should honor the team's commitment. Uh, and then as far as the manager goes, they're usually putting in things like a defect queue. If you have time, then here are the defects that you can pull from. And oftentimes that's not, that's a sign that they're not planning all that well, uh, meaning that Cause they're not carving out time to deal with technical debt, which they should be doing yeah, every sprint anyway. Yeah. They're not planning on doing that stuff. Uh, and, it, and also it's kind of a lazy form of product ownership too. So, yeah. uh, that's, that's like saying, well, if you happen to get done with all that, I'm busy. So just go pull from this queue, which may not be the most important thing to me anymore, but sure. Uh, that's, that's where you can go to pull some work. Um, I do think it's sometimes valuable to have small things available for the team. Like if they get towards the end of well, the sprint, we're focusing well, hold on. on so, so I want to, I want to, especially cause I mean, I have a, I think it's because I'm teaching scrum classes and, and that that's like the main focus to me. There's a sure. very, def, it's a very firm line between we're going to bring this into a sprint and the PO and maybe other ma- folks in management are going to prioritize items in the product backlog so that they're ready in case the team you know finishes early. But they're not part of, like to me, that distinction between setting the expectation of we're bringing it into a sprint or we're going to have it ready in case they finish and they can do more, There's that's a right. significant thing. I think what you're talking about now is is having the product backlog ready with items that can be picked up if they finish, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if we, I mean, it's been, um, you know, a, a pattern that's emerged many times over the years that's just kind of taught now uh, a bit is, is the notion of having a couple of sprints ready uh, yeah. at any one point in time. Uh, so being a couple of sprints ahead, right, of having a, a well-refined backlog and whatnot. So you're not hitting sprint planning and, and just seeing it for the first time. You, you're seeing those stories for sometimes the third, fourth or fifth time. Uh, and just validating, hey, yep, yep, remember that, it's still valid, it's still the most valuable thing, let's pull it in and, you know, go task it out. Um, so for the 
for the team members that that are taking a look at things and and it's it, I guess that implies that we have that good backlog that is already prioritized and it's you know the next couple of sprints should really kind of be known and sure we can throw something in there in the middle and reprioritize things and adapt to it but uh, overall it should be known there's just not a lot of rigor uh, on many teams today to uh, be that far ahead yeah. and to be that well-groomed, uh, that well-refined, uh, to be ready to do that. So when I said the lazy, kind of that lazy cue of work to do, um, that that's really like uh, something that's not very prioritized typically for a lot of teams. The defect cue is one that certainly uh, falls into that category. Just go pull from the defect cue. Yeah. Uh, with whatever remaining capacity you have. And that's not the best solution uh, overall. We need to work on the next most valuable thing. Yeah. So I have very, very strong feelings about this and, and they're for slightly different reasons. And, and I have one concrete example of a place where it was tell really me about dangerous. It. I will tell you about it, Tim, climbing up on my <laughs> soapbox. Um, so because of my project management background, I, my, my whole history was all like, we're going to do this and we'll try to do that. And what I found was that if we said, we'll do this and we'll try to do the other thing, that the expectation was always the other thing. And to fail to do the other thing meant you didn't meet the expectation. So it was sort of like setting ourselves up for failure every time. Um, the way that, that I see that translate into a scrum team is if, if we say fundamentally that a team, you know, like anybody at Leading Agile would say, that fundamentally a team has to be able to make and meet commitments. So I expect the team to say, we're going to eat 50 eggs, and then they're going to eat 50 eggs, not 51 and not 49. Like I want them to get to a point where they understand their capacity. And yes, they're going to miss here and there, but you know, on average, they're going to be planning to max out their capacity and hitting that every time. Um, I think to, to set the expectation that we'll try to do the other thing is always going to put them in a place where they're not really you know, getting everything that people want done. Um, there was one place that I taught uh, a couple years ago when I was working for another company where they, they were very firm believers in stretch goals. And company-wide, every scrum team was expected to meet 80% of its commitment in every sprint, which I heard that. I'm like, so your company expects every team to fail every single sprint. Like That just doesn't sound healthy to me at all. Um, and in terms of a motivator, like we're expected to do 80% of what we're expected to do. It just it seemed to be counter to the whole idea of a team forming and getting to a performing state. So it, it scares me. I think it's a normal question in class. And even though, you know, tend to pick on students who ask about things like that in sprint zero, um, I think it's important to talk about it. And maybe, maybe the motivation's not as dark as I assume, like yours sounds a little healthier than mine. I'm just used to the bad stuff. No, I think you're actually spot on. Uh, there was this, there was this article by HBR a few years ago. They called it the stretch goal paradox. Um, it, it may have been more recent, but um, they listed two critical success factors of, of how to, you know, if you're going to use stretch goals, what, what implies that you're going to have a successful one or whatnot. And one of them was the recent performance of the company or the organization. If it was rebounding from a loss or if it was rebounding or, or uh, building off of a win, 
Uh, and the, the sole reason they called that one out was that the ones that were rebounded from a loss, it was kind of a, a, a defeatist moment. Like they weren't in a positive behavior. They weren't in a positive attitude. They weren't in a winning attitude. Uh, and then uh, the ones that were rebounding off of a success or coming off of a success, then they were more likely to be in a, in an attitude for positive behavior. I would say that they're also uh, were more likely to have, uh, that rigor that I was talking about and, and yeah. be executing very well anyway. Uh, so they might be uh, planning well. They might be doing all those things well anyway. And the one that kind of has that, neg- if you've never been on a negative scrum team, boy, are those fun. But you kind of got to, you don't want to. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> you don't want to, sh- you don't want to sharpen that knife. You want to, you know, uh, figure out what's wrong and then, and then address it, but not exacerbate it, which is I yeah. think what they found it was doing was exacerbating the problem and, and presenting something with, you know, this defeatist attitude of, Oh gosh, here's another impossible task for me again uh, yeah. to deal with. The other critical factor, which, which I thought was interesting for them to call out were Slack resources. So Slack having the uh, Slack in the organization to, to actually achieve some of that. But yeah, um, that one I find is, is interesting. Um, you know, Slack in and of itself is good. Uh, too much slack and and you know there's a there's a practical point in there where you have just the right amount for the throughput uh, right. and consistent throughput that you need um, so I think that that one's kind of a uh, an iffy one uh, well but- so so let me ask you about that so Troy Lightfoot um, from Agile Uprising we did an interview one time and he talked about slack and there was a there's a team that he worked with where there was an expectation that team members would create personal slack for themselves within each sprint that was to be used for personal growth and development. And that was like, just re- you were supposed to save off this amount of time. And, you know, every once in a while I would get burned away by work, but the expectation was that you would protect that time and use it to get better at, you know, whatever you did. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's certainly one way to go. I see it eaten into quite often, but is that really a yeah. stretch goal? Um, that's just the I don't, expectation I don't think that's... that you get better, right? Um, yeah, and you investing yourself. Um, so it's it's uh, to me that's the notion of the stretch goal is something that you can potentially obtain, but I just see it uh, wielded so often as uh, as something that that is a hammer, uh, yeah. as you have to obtain that uh, that teams get. Uh, disenfranchised and demotivated and uh, so you want to motivate it motivate them with it which is would be a, a critical success factor I think if they get motivated by it versus demotivated with the slack thing were you saying that a team might plan slack and then that would get eaten up by the stretch goal is that I want to make sure I was clear on what you were going at with that one yeah just uh People that are, are mandated to um, to use time for personal growth, it's got to be the right context, the right culture uh, okay. for it to for it to actually take. Right, otherwise they're just going to do the work and and plan on doing the work. I personally built in a ton of slack for myself for personal growth, and I've blogged about that part of it uh, because I found myself if I did that, then I was more productive. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's just abstracting away uh the the uh optical of he's always working on something 
yeah. uh, that's pertinent to this, where sometimes I'm working on myself and that's okay because I'm faster than I would be otherwise. You know, well, I'm, yeah, I'm and you're not going to get that. better if you don't take the time for that. I mean, you need to leave time to think and kind of zone out and do stuff. But going back to kind of the stretch side, I actually think that scrum teams themselves should always set their own stretch goals and kind of challenge themselves a little bit each time. But, uh, but and so if they challenge, would I mean, I agree with you, but I would say if it let's, let's say the team's velocity for, you know, let's say they're doing points and it's like 35 to plan in the next sprint, you know, maybe 39 points to me, that's yeah. stretching themselves, but that's it's right. not, the stretch goal thing that scares me is this idea of t- saying outside, like, we're going to do this and try to do the other thing. Like, I'm going to eat all the, you know, vegetables and the cake if I can. Um, right. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you always seem to end up in food uh, analogies I know. On, this, on this podcast. I have prob- <laughs> it's probably because I'm always doing the podcast around lunchtime and I'm always hungry. So- so it's kind of that eyes bigger than your stomach type of, of, yeah. of uh, metaphor, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that the team should uh, challenge themselves because, you know, we all want to get better and we all all want to deliver value uh, faster and everything. Uh, but you're going to fail at, at some of those. So allowing yourself to fail and you might produce less, right? But yeah. you're trying new things. It's all about trying and attempting things. Uh, one of my favorites is to... Uh, not to necessarily invest in in uh, challenging for uh, more points, but to challenge ourselves to invest in a way that we know will deliver more flexibility. So, oh, nice. Um, the, oh, that's the a different. So that would be a different kind of stretch goal, right? Th- that is, yeah. So can we maintain one. our velocity while we also make someone more of a generalist? Uh, so wow. that we can take on more of the product backlog with greater ease uh, and provide more adaptability to our system. That's a different kind of stretch goal, and it should yeah, allow that's a really more cool throughput. idea. But it's it's not always about points on that yeah. one. Uh, but we should challenge ourselves in different ways and and be unique and innovative on the team and uh, how we approach that. But the it's the organizational push at that level. Yeah. push to always have something waiting, which to me is an indication of either micromanagement or lazy uh, prioritization on that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's uh, I guess, my, my soapbox on it. Um, I'd rather see the team wholeheartedly get into those stretch goals and, and have them buy off on it themselves and challenge themselves yeah. than have someone dictate if you have time could pull from here or, or bully them into committing to it on their own yeah yeah, yeah. So, um and or turn it into a hard commitment uh to the organization and misrepresent the team um so that's i guess it's all semantics and little things uh, the notion of but they're important distinctions to make especially for new teams i think and having clarity around that stuff is really critical that's correct um but yeah at the organizational level i don't want to forget about that because yeah Quite quite often, if you see a turn at the sea level, and and uh, there's a new sea level entry to the organization, they're brought in for a reason. Yeah. And in failing organizations, if there is a loss of revenue, a lot of times they're brought in to turn it around. Uh, yeah. So those those stretch goals might look like 
yeah, we need to have revenue uh, go back up or we need to, um, you know, stop stabilize. The yeah, yeah, stop the bleeding, <laughs> or we need to generate a new a new line of revenue, uh, yeah. diversify, uh, whatever the case may be. Those are often stretch goals for the organization because they need it. Uh, yeah, but that needs to imply innovation and and other kinds uh, of out, growth outside of the box thinking, not managing your user stories on the day to day level. Yeah, right? that's that's a different. Uh, it's totally it's different thing. Different. Uh, level. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, yep. So before we go, do you want to say anything about the events coming up in the Atlanta area that you help to manage and promote? Well, I run the Atlanta Scrum user group and we've got just a fantastic lineup coming up. You know, we've got our local software craftsmen uh, coming in tonight. As a matter of fact, it'll be already done by the time this gets out there. We're going to do a podcast uh, with with you, Dave, as part of our, our live cast coming up. And then we're going to have a, a recent Scrum book author, David Morris, talk to us from Auckland in September. And cool. then we've got uh, one of the Agile Uprising guys, uh, Ryan's coming to talk to us about his interviews with the manifesto authors. So just a, a fantastic lineup to close out the year. Just really exciting to, to have all you guys come in and, and talk to the group and really up the ante of the Agile community in Atlanta. Yeah. Cool. So I'll put links to all that stuff. And, and if you're listening and you're not familiar with the Agile Uprising interviews, you should definitely go check those out. They do a great podcast and they interviewed almost all of the creators of the Agile Manifesto. And listening to the things those guys had to say is just fascinating. It's um, fascinating. Great insights yeah. that they had. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Tim, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm Tim at leadingagile.com. That's T-I-M at leadingagile.com. Okay. Uh, you can also reach reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best one for me. So uh, definitely okay. get in touch and uh, see you out there on the blogs and, and the uh, podcast. Events here. in Atlanta. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate yep. it. Yep. Have a good day.